Hey everyone, this is Asher, and welcome to Living in This Queer Body, a podcast about barriers to embodiment and how our collective body stories can bring us back to ourselves. Thank you for listening. I am eternally honored that um, folks are tuning in, and I love hearing your feedback. Getting messages from folks has been just really touching. So I'm glad to hear that the episodes are resonating. And I wanted to announce that um, there will be another virtual workshop. And we will be having that happen on Tuesday, October 1st from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. In the virtual workshop, we will address the question, what do I really want from my relationships? Fall is such a good time to slow down a bit and it's a time for starting new projects, getting the sweaters out and moving inwards. And I thought that this virtual workshop could be a space where we could explore what we really want from our relationships. You can come with a relationship in mind, a troubling one, a complicated one, an erotic one, a hope-filled one. Partnerships, coworkers, family, children, your therapist, your ex, it's all up for discussion. Uh, let's come together and work towards more clarity about what we truly want with these people, what might bring more ease, more excitement, more fulfillment, and more generativity. We will go within to find ways to connect with our needs, our boundaries, our desires, and then make tangible plans for expressing these discoveries in our relationships with others. So to sign up, we have um, a couple spots left. Um, A lot of people have already expressed interest, but we definitely have room. So um, I really look forward to it. You can sign up by DMing me at Living in This Queer Body, or you can email me directly at livinginthisqueerbody at gmail.com. My guests today, Adele Jackson Gibson and Yael Malka, are dyke soccer players. And This week's episode is really about their experience being members of the Dyke Soccer community. And if you don't know about that, you can find out more about Dyke Soccer at Dyke Soccer on Instagram. Dyke Soccer is a community of amateur athletes that meets twice a week for free pickup soccer games and in local parks and gyms. Dyke Soccer divines pop-up pickups that encourage queer cruising, promote physical and mental health, and provide a network for queers to find each other. And so in this episode, I interview two of the players on this in this community, and they talk really openly um, and earnestly about what it's been like to actually find a community in Dyke Soccer and what it's been like also to find confidence in their bodies as a result of of being part of this community. So Yael Malka graduated in 2012 from Pratt Institute with a BFA in photography and a minor in art history. Her solo shows include Almost Touching at the Rubber Factory and Where's the Invitation at the Leslie Lohman Museum and group exhibitions at the Brooklyn Museum Library, the Rubber Factory, Bruce High Quality, Philadelphia Photo Art Center, and many more. She's currently working on her third book with a series of photos made in Kibbutz Knarest, Israel. She is a co-founder of the artist initiative Memory Foam, which curates exhibitions and live events with artists. She produces an artist interview video series and publishes zines. Yael is from the Bronx, New York, and currently resides in Brooklyn. You can find her on Instagram at Yael, Y-A-E-L underscore Malka, M-A-L-K-A. And our other guest is Adele Jackson Gibson, who is a storyteller and fitness coach who writes about women's sports, wellness, and spirituality. And if you want to find more about Adele, you can find them on at Adele Jackson 26 on Instagram. 
So we are going to launch into this episode um, and it's going to be very back to school, sporty, queer vibes. I hope you enjoy. So I might have both of you reflect a little bit about your earliest memories of being in a body or what you learned about what it meant to be in a body. Um, I think I could maybe go. Yeah, you go. I'm, I'm still thinking. Yeah. This is Yael speaking. And I would say the first memory I had of, of being in my body was like when I was maybe around seven or or eight, possibly earlier. And I think immediately feeling uncomfortable. And I think as a cis woman, um, that was also an age at which I was already being sexualized by others. And that was part of the discomfort and also just mass media and culture at large telling me what I was supposed to look like. And if I didn't look that way, that there was a lot of shame around that. And so <clears throat> I think that that was my mindset for a very long time, feeling very uncomfortable, feeling like I kind of needed to hide myself, especially around the opposite sex. I felt extremely uncomfortable in the presence of, of men, of cis men, and that's something Honestly, that's still, is still something I struggle with. Um, and I think it probably got worse as I got into my teenage years, becoming even more sexualized, even more self-conscious of my body, um, becoming more entrenched in, in culture and mass media and images of like what the idealized woman was supposed to look like, which was like white and skinny. So... Yeah, I, w I would say for, for quite some time, uh, it, was, it was being in my body was like a sense of, of shame and discomfort that I've been able to start working through truly in like the past few years. Mm. So, so yeah, I think that's mm -hmm. my first memories, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately. What do you remember about how you went about hiding yourself or kind of dealing with that anxiety and discomfort that you're talking about? I think I used to be, maybe, like, when I was younger, I was more outgoing, and I think I kind of became a lot shyer, and I, and, and not even just physically, but um, mentally, I always was analyzing what I was going to say before I said it and deciding not to say things like 75, 80% of the time because I thought it was not going to sound smart or someone was going to judge me for it. And that also started around this, the same time. So I think like becoming around certain groups of people, not like my closest friends, um, mm -hmm. but becoming more silent, I guess, quieter. I think body, body language and gestures that I did a lot were crossing my arms over my body, things that were very self-conscious, very self-conscious gestures was something I was doing often. And, but the thing, the thing that is interesting, like I didn't go and I didn't start wearing like bigger clothes that hid me. I actually were, was wearing clothes that kind of accentuated parts of my body, I think also as uh, that was like a signal I was getting. That's what I was supposed to be, be doing. So I was I was dressing in a certain way, but I wasn't necessarily comfortable dressing that way. So, yeah. What do you think changed? I mean, I'm sure a lot has changed, but you said that only in the past couple of years has have you really been able to kind of start to address this? And I think could be helpful for people listening just to understand, like, what was there something that kind of made you say like this is I can't I can't live like this or this is like untenable the way I'm relating to the world and to other people and to my own body or you know what was it that kind of made you you know start to address this whatever that means for you I think it was a few different things um 
I have been going to therapy for, for many, many years and working through like sexual trauma from when I was younger mm-hmm. and deciding that I shouldn't be in a position of shame for things, but um, like take power over over them. And so I think that was the beginning of also starting to work through body image issues. Um, but also I think I would say, and this is this is the first time I've ever I'm ever thinking about about this um, from this perspective. But I would say that probably social media, like specifically Instagram, because even though there's a lot of negativity that I, I get from that, I also saw so many people talking about traumas or shame and turning it into something that they were not the victims in anymore. And that felt so powerful to me. And I saw it with people who were living in maybe much more traumatic filled situations or something in their past had been really intense and they were taking control over that. And people who um, walk around um, in bodies that they like I was you know trans people who I look to are taking you know no they're they're taking ownership and they're not they're not apologizing and I was like I should definitely I I learned a lot from that and I think people being very honest and open and sharing vulnerabilities has really helped me to do that as well Mm -hmm. like people have really led a lot of other people have really led the way with that um Mm. so yeah Mm. okay well I'm looking forward to hearing how that how addressing some of those things has actually translated into um what you're doing with your life now and how you're feeling about yourself but I I want to um hear from Adele about some of your earliest memories yeah hi I'm Adele um I was having a hard time actually choosing some of my earliest memories. I think when you're, I mean, when you're young, your parents tell you a lot of stories about what you used to do. So I was like parceling through things about like, what was actually me? I try to remember, but yeah, I think one of the first things that came to mind was, I think I was probably anywhere from like three to five. Um, I was always just dancing. I just like loved like my dad, I'm half Jamaican and my dad like loved music, was always playing dance hall and reggae. And I would just like always be bopped into something. Walking through malls, my parents would have to like find me, like dancing somewhere in the corner, like parents like taking photos of me and all this stuff, you know, just like um, you know, it was just that that's what I remember, is just like being very happy in that body and not caring like what I looked like or whether there was drool on my face you know, and that carried on into grade school. But then I'm also thinking about the times that I was very valued for having an athletic body um, or or being good at like using it. Um, I wanted to be a dancer early on um, when I was like five or six. And then I had a crush on a boy in like first grade or something. And I felt like I had to become a boy to play soccer with them um, and get closer to my crush. And Mm -hmm. then I ended up changing everything about myself after that um and that was a little confusing for my mom who is more of a quote-unquote lady whatever that means but you know she's a little bougie and um when I told her I didn't want to wear dresses anymore she was like I could imagine how deflated she was I feel like she's still kind of that way (laughs) Mm. but that there was that and then I'm also remembering um, in grade school, kindergarten, just really being obsessed and potentially having crushes on um, white girls with blonde hair. Always. Like, it was just a pattern. Still might be. My partner is not that. <laughs> but it's just, uh, it was just um, this thing I had. And sometimes I still wonder what that was about um Mm. obviously there's like some ties to you know how society values you know um white skin and blonde hair that's probably tied into it but I had that at such a young age that I just wonder like where did that come from um Mm -hmm. I went to mostly white schools growing up and certainly that had an influence but it was just like so strong for me that it's Mm -hmm. just like it was like weird 
so yeah those are like some of my earliest memories of like me being in my body just like one you know just having such like a blissful relationship with like just movement and um then also being valued for having that which i think later on in life got a little bit more complicated for me in high school just not being like i I don't know i guess i'll get into this a little bit but in high school i felt like i was i didn't really fit in personality wise i went to a prep school um and i didn't have the money that everybody else had and i wasn't popular but i was valued because i was good at sports and people just saw me for that but didn't respect me i didn't feel outside of that so i was a little tug of war um and then also not feeling like i was smart enough um to like go to a top school or anything like that i was just the athlete that sort of thing which ended up changing but yeah that's kind of it in a nutshell Mm. Mm -hmm. what was what when you remember being in that position of being valued as an athlete was that a different experience for you from the like little kid who was really enjoying movement and dancing and you know like it felt it seems like that vision just like even looking at you as I'm interviewing you you like you know that's like a very positive sort of like happy memory and a really freeing memory and I know that we can romanticize childhood and and all that but I think like for you it sounds like for you that really was like a very connected um and and like your parents taking pictures like people were taking pleasure in you being in your body body and being, you know, kind of connected in that way. And I'm just wondering, like, as you became an athlete or were an athlete and, you know, serving that function, it sounds like also in like an all white, mostly all white context, what was that like for you kind of having your function be, you know, the athlete and I don't know, it just sounds like maybe it was a a less connected (laughs) experience. Yeah. So I think what ended up happening for me, and I'm still like parceling through this and journaling about this now, it's just like, um, we have such joy for movement when we're kids, for the most part, most of us do. And we're just kind of exploring what these meat sacks are. We're just kind of like (laughs) throwing everything around and just having fun and feeling it. And then we get into society, school, teams, whatever, and all of a sudden there's expectation, there's judgment, there's value, there's prizes, there's all this stuff. And I think for me, over some time, you can get sort of like lost in all of that and like lose the enjoyment of like, for example, playing soccer just for the sake of playing or just like running for the sake of running. Like, why do we do that? Like, what what is that feeling like? And so I think now at 28, that's what I'm exploring again. Um, mm. But yeah, I think high school, I played in college. Um, I wanted to be somebody to other people because so much of my identity was like wrapped up in what my body was able to do. So like anytime I got injured or anytime I wasn't performing well, like my entire world would come crashing down. It was very... Mm-hmm in that sense, fragile. And yeah, I mean, you could talk about, you know, all the stereotypes we get in the media, especially the way that black athletes are valued in the NBA and football and how that image is used, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and I'm Jamaican too. So people are like, oh, you're fast. Like you're like, you're athletic, blah, blah, blah. You have these genes and gifts and it's amazing. But then sometimes it's hard for people to see beyond that and what else is a part of you. Um, So you know, it's, it's like, yeah, I really appreciate what I um, am able to do, but I'm also very aware of like that it is is not, if I were ever to lose it, it's not me. It can't be. So. Right. Right. It's yeah. And I think that that's in some ways from what I understand, that might be an interesting segue into us talking about what brought you each to dyke soccer because i think from what i understand and i really am curious to hear about this but you know that there's something about the kind of i was about to use the word inclusivity and i that's like a very overused word but i think there's something about being able to include all of these different parts of oneself um in the context of movement or being athletic or you know 
being together or moving around that, you know, it sounds like really was not an experience either one of you had um, for the most part, you know, in your younger years. Um, there's a lot of like siloing of different parts of your identity. Um, so yeah, maybe we could, you could talk um, a little bit about how you discovered Dyke Soccer and what it's, you know, say a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, yeah, you want to start? Sure. Uh, this is Yael. Um, I discovered Dyke Soccer about almost a year ago. Um, and when I discovered it, it was so packed with people. There was like a hundred people coming to every game that there wasn't even like room for more people to come. So I think like once the initial, like I think some people, um, maybe st stopped coming as regularly and once it moved indoors it became a little bit like more manageable in terms of the amount of people we were like that were coming so i was finally able to come to a game because i was like on deck soccer instagram i was like oh my god i really want to come play there just like wasn't enough room so um i started to play in the winter of 2018 and yeah, immediately. I hadn't, I had played soccer throughout my childhood and have loved it ever since. I follow like all the teams, like specifically women's teams, uh, the NWSL and um, some foreign leagues. And it just felt so good to um, play again and especially in a totally different context than I remembered. It was like an all girls team when I was playing when I was young, but having it be like a queer team of something I love felt so amazing. And also I'd say there was a lot of like artists and creative people that play. And that also felt really nice because I'm an artist and I went to art school and it's kind of, I, I always felt really weird about that part of myself. And like, I had to hide that when I was in art school and I'm like, <laughs> actually it's amazing to like take care of your body and feel good about yourself. And, and, I think like a few years out of art school, I realized like how silly it was that I felt I needed to like compartmentalize, like how you were saying earlier, how like parts of ourselves, how we needed to like, you know, separate parts of ourselves. And it felt so nice to be in a group where it was like so many different parts of your identities can live here, you know, and that felt really, really special. Um, so playing a sport I love in a completely different context, um, was just incredible and um also you know coming into to the uh dyke soccer community having you know before you introduce yourself when you're introducing yourself pronouns or oh it like to be in a in a space where that's an automatic feels so nice too and to see other people playing who feel comfortable to be in that space who are trans or uh, gnc I feel so happy for them too that they have this space where they can play and feel comfortable in their body and feel comfortable around the people that they're with. Mm -hmm. um, and that it's, it, yeah, Alex Schmidt, who started Dyke Soccer, has created a very like special, special space for, for us. Hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think brought you to it at that moment in time in your life? You know, like what it sounds, sounds as if you, you know, kind of, did have some questions about how valid or valuable, you know, being athletic or pursuing those kinds of things was given that you were like in art school and an artist and circulating in these, you know, maybe queer art communities or whatever. And that, you know, what was it that kind of made you say like, I want to prioritize this or. Well, I mean, yeah. My, my partner had played on downtown girls basketball, which is like mm. another, you know, um, like creatives like coming together to play a sport they love it wasn't um queer centric but um I was like so envious I was like oh I wish there was that but for soccer because I'm I'm not very good at basketball and then like dyke soccer came along like a year and a half after and so I was just like oh finally like it's something that I've been thinking about and wanting to do so it came and I was just like that's that's perfect like I was like hoping for this um yeah. So I was really happy when, like, I started to go and play and, yeah, to have it just be part of, like, my routine, you know, that mm. I do. Um, and was there another part of that question you asked that I'm, that I'm forgetting? It sounds, I mean, it sounds like, you know, in some ways it was, you were primed for this 
to do this. You know, you really, this is like something that's a big part of who you are and you, it, it's been more of an experience of connecting with other people who also have a real interest in being queer and playing soccer amongst other things. Right. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And yeah, that's another thing. I just felt like ready to also kind of bring more people into my, into my life. Like I wanted to meet new people, you know, and you just feel like I'm ready to like make new friends right now. And it, it, it came at that time as well. Mm. So mm-hmm. it, it lined up really nicely. Mm. How about for you, Adele, what was your, what's your journey to dyke soccer? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny, like listening to Yael and her story, because I, ever since I met Alex, I was just kind of like, there's like something in the air that is letting this manifest so easily. Like, I felt like my story is kind of similar to Yael's in the sense that like, I had been thinking for a while, like, yo, I just need to get out and play with some queer folks. Where is this? I need to find this now <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so to give context, I'm a, I'm a fitness coach. And um, for a while, it was just like me just like going to the gym, either teaching or working out. And like working out can be fun. But I was like, where's the play? We're not playing anymore. Kind of going back to that little kid thing I was talking about. And um, soccer used to be like a big part of my life like I was aiming to play professionally after college that was my goal before I had major knee surgery and so you know after a while I kind of just like put soccer aside focused on other things and I think there was a part of me that was ready to heal my relationship with the sport and how much I love it and but I didn't want Mm. anything super competitive I didn't want no like co-ed you know beer leagues where like people are trying to cut your shins out from under you like I don't I don't want that like I just want to have a good time I want to be with chill people who are like me I kind of ostracized myself from my community for a while because I felt like when I first moved to New York I had friends in the LGBTQ community um, that I hung out with a lot, but just like a lot of toxic behaviors, too much drinking and too much partying for me. And I just had to separate myself. But after a while, I was like, I I feel, I felt alone. I was like, I don't feel like Mm I am connecting to people who look or think like me or, you know, have like even, you know, different experiences and what I'm I have been seeing and so um yeah I was searching it was last summer I was like okay Adele you're just gonna go out and you're gonna find a team and I was looking for like like queer soccer group New York City and Google lesbian soccer group I, I was like googling literally for a week and after like four days of like <laughs> talking to people and like trying to find something I was so frustrated. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to the park by myself, Riverbond King down the street, and I'm just going to play by myself. I'm just going to go. That afternoon, <clears throat> Alex comes walking into the park. I didn't know Alex at the time. I don't know anybody on my blog. She comes walking. No one else is on the green except for me. Oh, there's a few people, but no one's paying me any attention. And this girl just like walks straight to me. And I'm like, mm, she walks. And she's like, you know, I don't know if you're queer or anything like that, but I hope you don't take offense to that or something of that sort. But like on Mondays, we play soccer here. <laughs> you want to join? And I, and I was like, wait, what? Like you're a queer, you have a queer soccer group on Mondays every night, block away from my house. You guys have been here for how long? <laughs> and it only been a couple of weeks, but it was just so funny that I was just like, really on that for like four days I gave mm. up was playing by myself in the park and then she showed up that that day I gave up <laughs> um we still laugh about that it's amazing yeah uh-huh so that was great and it's been awesome ever since you know like <clears throat> first day I was there it just felt like so freeing to be in that park just dribbling around no pressure not everybody was friendly all different levels like some people played high school some people um, played in college none at all some people just want to learn like 
very welcoming for all sorts of different people who want to learn about soccer, play it again, meet new friends, like y'all was saying. I feel like it's a really solid crew and it's only been expanding. I keep talking to um, people about it. I just, I have no idea how many people are in email chain, but you know, people are really excited about it. And you know, Alex has kind of been the catalyst, but now it's just kind of its own living, breathing thing. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, it sounds like from what just the two of you are saying and also from, you know, what I've been observing is that it's meeting the needs of, it's meeting people in, in different forms of need. Like you, you actually, it's how like needed to be playing soccer, like with anyone who like you could connect with. Right. You know what I mean? And so you found it, but like there, I imagine there are people that, you know, haven't, that are interested in, in it for different reasons. So what's, I guess I'm curious, like what the two of you think about who, what the kind of range of reasons that people come to, to play from what you understand from your experiences. Cause one thing that comes to mind is just the way in which kind of like moving together or doing physical activity together um, is an interesting, like nonverbal way for anyone but for like you know for intimacy to kind of happen that's not like necessarily I mean I guess we could talk we should probably talk about the ways in which it is um like maybe charged or you know eroticized or something like that but you know the ways and sometimes which it's not you know and it's it's really just a kind of a powerful way to connect with other people yeah I mean I feel like there are a lot of people who are looking for space safe spaces to explore their bodies more than anything. Um, I see that as a trainer a lot. And I've trained, I've trained Alex. I train a lot of Alex's friends and people who know of dyke soccer, but don't play soccer. And they're always curious about it. But um, I just feel like there's a lot of people out there who are very uncomfortable with the current options that are available in terms of like living an active lifestyle. There's just like a lot of judgment and, you know, with the Instagram being helpful and harmful at the same time, it's confusing. Health and wellness is just like very much like, I don't know, it's, it's fatty, it's, it's fashion, it's, it's confusing and layered. So I think people are really looking for spaces where everyone is just open, honest, and can be themselves without any other thing coming in the way to tell them that they should or should not be doing this. So I think that's the main thing that I get Mm -hmm. when I talk to people about it. Yeah. And I also think I mentioned earlier it being a space where it's automatic that you're like not going to assume anybody's gender um, or pronouns and people, um, I think in maybe their workplaces or other interactions don't have that experience. And so they get to come to Dyke Soccer and feel comfortable and feel like other people understand their expression and are going to respect it and no assumptions are being made and also people are feeling comfortable because of that yeah I think also like people are still you know everyone's I think dealing with with body issues and it's a place where I feel personally just more, I just feel comfortable, which is really nice because there are a lot of spaces I don't feel comfortable in. And so it's just, it's a very comfortable place. And I think that's what most people would say and what I've heard a lot of people Mm -hmm. say about it. Mm -hmm. And not feeling like they're being like watched or, yeah, there's no type of surveillance happening. It's just everyone is respectful and safe. Mm-hmm. 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 Are there elements like what I was kind of descri- describing before in terms of this like nonverbal intimacy or whatever is happening in terms of the play and also maybe just being part of this community? I mean, I, from my understanding, there's people that come and watch too, right? You you have like... Yeah, I feel like this, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, yeah, we have like fans on the side. Fans. Like, yeah. Kind of, yeah, yeah, it's fun. I mean, I think I remember one indoor session where there are people that are just on the side just like drinking beer and just like watching us play and that that's that's fun. 
I mean, I, I mean, as an athlete who wanted to play in front of fans, I was like, this is fun. But then also it's like, you're talking about the intimacy thing about like, yeah, I don't know. There's something about like when somebody makes a good play or you like, you're having a good like um, pass and go with somebody, you go up to them and say, yeah, like, fuck yeah. High five. Like there's just like, uh, yeah, definitely a communion there that's just fun and like unique and can't be created easily in like an office space. Like, oh, good spreadsheet. Like, that, like, you know, like it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. You know, like where else are you going to get that? You, you can't, you can't manufacture that any other way. And I think mm. with the, you know, with the Women's World Cup going on and stuff like that, um, I know some of us went to the U.S. national team send off and um, gathering around sport in a way that I feel like culturally a lot of uh, uh, non-cis gender males have been taught to view sports or commune around sports is starting to happen here. And as somebody, I'm, it was, I've been a sports journalist for a while. As someone who's been feeling like, wow, like, there is nobody my age except for like moms and their like young kids who are coming to these games and really supporting, you know, these women and like <clears throat> what, and then having fun doing it and not, you know, and generating our own language around it. Like, I think that's what's really needed right now. Um, and I don't know if, you know, Dyke Soccer, we've had our moments of doing it and I hope that continues. I, but, you know, it's just exciting to see, like, the different ways that we're communing, whether it's, you know, talking about, like, art and the sort of work we do or just playing on the field or going to these games or watching it at each other's houses. I think there's also a book club. I'm not in the book club. Yeah, are you in the book club? <laughs> so, uh, there, no. There is one, yeah. That was somebody – that wasn't even Alex's idea. It just happened. So that's, that's kind of what I'm saying is, like, this is its own – living and breathing organism that's taking forms and however it goes so it's, it, I think the thing that really ties everything together is that it's just like the safe space to mm -hmm. to be and enjoy each other so yeah and aside from the book club I know there was also like a dog hangout like every yeah that was cute dog owners like got together at Prospect Park and like did races with their dogs and like like t-shirt contests I don't know but yeah there have been a lot of things that have come from dyke soccer friendships but also like groups and new new like activities that people are creating um for themselves and that's been really cool to see and I think Alex loves that because she wanted it to be like Adele was saying its own living and breathing thing that she she never wanted there to be a hierarchy she never wanted to feel like she was the captain and everyone was underneath her like each week people take turns captaining, mm. captaining and she isn't even there sometimes and it's like it's still going it's still it's its own thing now also she's an organ she's she's an incredible like queer event organizer she also has something called queer speed cruising which Adele and I have both worked before doing it's refereeing yeah. it's fun everybody should go yeah it's <laughs> incredible it's like just a queer speed dating but also there's people there who are just like there to hang it's in a bar and she's interested in people you know meeting each other for dating for sex but also for like like um resources it's another like dyke soccer is also like the people who come and watch on the sidelines it's just like another way of cruising whether that be like looking for someone romantically or looking for like a new friend or looking for someone who can help you with work and just creating more i think she's really interested in creating as many of these spaces and events as possible that allow for these kind of connections to happen so that's that's been really cool too and like different opportunities have come from that and i think that's really sweet and special i'm glad you brought up cruising because i think in some ways that outside of the context of you know as you were mentioning before adele like the the kind of you know like heavy drinking bar club scene there scenes there's many um but there aren't maybe there aren't as many places for kind of 
where there is an opportunity for cruising, whether it be like, you know, kind of around a possible date or sex, but also like style and, you know, all sorts of things, right, that kind of come from that experience. And it sounds like with Dyke Soccer, there is a way that, um, you know, it's happening in a public place. It's obviously very contained in terms of the boundaries around safety and openness and, you know, whatever the, the kind of structure that is foundational to the organization, I guess, or to, you know, the community. But yeah, it seems like it, it kind of is providing some kind of space for that. I wonder what, how that has felt for the both of you or what your perception is of, of how other people are kind of experiencing that. Like maybe, I guess we could call it like a more, yeah, like an erotic aspect of the community. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I mean, let's see. Yell, do you have thoughts on this? I need to think for a sec. <laughs> yeah I know I, it's kind of like a big like a weirdly worded question I mean I guess no you you get where I'm coming from yeah yeah I do I don't know because I mean hmm. I haven't really talked to people much about that <laughs> I'm trying to think I I haven't been cruising lately it's hard for me to say totally like to really tap into like what the the temperature is in dyke soccer to use a word um but i think just observing like the queer cruising events and like dyke soccer showing up to like really support that um yeah it's like kind of unlike any other sort of dating scene I've been around Mm. I don't know it just felt like people were like really bold and open and like I was getting hit on and I was like I have a partner and like people just like kept coming up and I I I think that people were just felt really everyone felt really comfortable there like it wasn't it was it was like no pressure for anything like you could ask somebody and they said, no, I said, no. They say yes, they say yes. I don't really know how else to talk about it other than I just felt like people felt like this is dope. Let's just have a good time and no pressure to drink, no pressure to, to do anything really. You can ask for what you want and see what happens. I don't know. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go, just going off of what you just said, Adele, I think that's a really um, like keen observation. Uh, just like asking for what you want. I think that's yeah. something that um, I, I think especially as um, a cis woman growing up, I was like meant to feel like I shouldn't ask for what I want. And once I, I, I you know, came out in college I, I, and I was with my first partner, that dialogue felt so much more comfortable. Like, yeah, asking for what you want is like a sexy thing, especially when it comes to like your needs and your wants and like your body. Everyone's body is totally different and like people receive pleasure in different ways. And um, I think that within the queer community, that is a conversation that goes even past desire and sexual needs and just like in the general like interactions that people have yeah Um, like the language that people use and checking in and um I think that's kind of erotic in a way because it's something that kind of goes against like the norm or what um it's like I I felt specifically growing up um how things were supposed to be and so I think it's like sexy to like consent is sexy and asking people what they want is sexy and like boundaries are sexy like all of that stuff and I think that that comes out a lot in these like queer communities like soccer queer speed cruising um and that's yeah I think that's that's erotic yeah yeah and very and I think as you said it's it's you know a version of queerness that is really um can be very empowering for people's bodies people's wounded bodies you know like a place for where the paradigm shifts I think there you know we don't we don't have time to totally get into this but I just I hear from both of you in various ways that you had experiences with 
being athletic in whatever way or being in your body in an athletic way that did not necessarily involve a lot of these kind of like queer elements that are at play um, in dyke soccer that have been really important for you to actually like just experience, you know, to, to really embody and experience in your adult life. For sure. Mm-hmm. I wonder just kind of given that if you each could sort of think back to the younger version that we, of yourself that we talked about and like, like what would the dyke soccer playing version of yourself now want to convey to that younger part of you mm-hmm. like knowing what you know now is possible um well i think i definitely would have told myself that um you know it's it's okay if you fuck up in the game adele like just enjoy it you know like it's okay to just play and revel in that that connection with my with your teammate and just you know know that that's what you're here to do is just to have fun and enjoy um that's one thing the other thing i would say is that adele those obsessions with those blonde girls you're clearly queer you need to figure that out like just it's okay <laughs> That's what that is. (laughs) Um, And that it's also, um, you can also have a crush on DJ, the boy in first grade that also can exist in the same body. You don't have to decide or anything. Like all, both of those stories is is what I would tell her. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I would definitely tell my younger self to uh care less about what other people think especially like whack boys who didn't matter and don't matter and to try and feel more comfortable in my body i don't know in which way i would how i would get my younger self to be like oh yeah okay sure it sounds good like let me let me just like turn that switch. I don't know how I would how I would do that, but that would definitely be something I want to tell my my younger self, little Yael. And also, oh well, no, I I do. I was gonna say something about like maybe coming out earlier, but I do think a lot of my experiences pre coming out are very important in in other ways. So maybe maybe I wouldn't say that actually. Yeah, I think. I think that's that's what I tell little Yael. So thank you. Those are very sweet sentiments. How, let, let me just hear a little bit about, you know, what the two of you um, are each doing individually. And then um, maybe we can hear about Dyke Soccer and how people can get involved if they're interested or support. Sure. Um, so yeah, I'm a personal trainer and fitness coach in Brooklyn. And I'm also a journalist who writes about women's sports and wellness. Um, is that all you wanted from me? <laughs> and how can people, yeah, how can people find uh, how you? How can people get in? Oh, yeah. Uh, you can uh, find me at Adele Jackson 26 on Instagram. I answer my DMs. Um, and then if you need more info, we can chat about that. Cool. I am an artist and a photographer. So I I do photography mostly like for for job for my job. I do like editorial shoots for magazines and some like commercial stuff. Um, and I have an upcoming show. I'm gonna do a little plug. I have an upcoming show at um, the Leslie Lohman Museum, which is an LGBTQ museum um, in Soho coming up in August, uh, the last week of August, I have two collaborators and we're taking over the whole museum for a week and doing like um, this like durational piece. So um, that's like my next big project I'm doing. Cool. And um, I'm on Instagram. Um, it's just Yael, my first and last name, Yael Malka with an underscore in between. Cool. Yeah. Okay, who wants to give we can give a plug to dyke soccer and how people can find out about it and support and 
maybe become a fan or whatever. You can follow us at Dyke Soccer on Instagram and DM us if you want to be added to our mailing list and get in touch with when we're playing and what other crazy stuff we're up to. And if people want to are in the New York area and want to show up, is there a regular time during the non-winter months that you play? It's every Thursday um, in, in Bed-Stuy at 194 Franklin Ave in Brooklyn. Um, and we play there from six to eight every Thursday. And it's a really nice field. Well, semi-nice. There's, there's some like area. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah, I lied. We it's workable. It's okay. It's we may do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, if you play, come play. If you want to just hang and watch, please come. We love that when people come and cheer us on. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much for for coming and talking about Dyke Sacker, but also, you know, talking about how your your lives have kind of led you to be involved. And I appreciate that a lot. Thank you so much for having us. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. For sure.